Kind of nice crowd here tonight. Thank you. I went. I should say that uh, I have. I may have a slight advantage over you guys, and I've seen this movie. I don't want to say too much about it until we get everybody out here because we've got a lot of the folks out here. So uh, let's just take a quick look at the trailer. What do you know about Alton Meyer? Give it a fits. Things would break, cars would shut down, that kind of thing. Others have described seeing things. Did he show you things? Yes. What kinds of things? I wouldn't know where to start. We need to know where he is. You all have no clue what you're dealing with, do you? Bring him out on stage. Uh, first off, actress Kirsten Dunst. Uh, you're gonna like this little guy. Uh, actor Jaden Lieberher. Okay, actor Joel Egerton. Actor Michael Shannon. And the film's writer-director, Jeff Nichols. All right, I'm going to start here at the very beginning. I've given to understand that part of it's from an image you had in your head, and then part of it was from a personal experience. You know, for this film, the plot developed pretty quickly. Um, I knew it was a chase film that went from point A to point B. Um, all the details kind of fell into place. And as I was conceiving it, my son, he was about eight months old at the time, he had something called a febrile seizure. And um, it was obviously very frightening for my wife and I. And I started to try and wrestle with that fear. And that's when I found kind of the heart of the movie. Um, that relationship and how I feel about him, that's really what the movie's about. You very, very quickly established that in a lot of ways this is a story about a father and a son. It's a story about parenthood. I think that speaks to Mike and it speaks to Jaden. Um, that they can, you know, have very simple lines and very simple actions, but they start to imbue them with 
with more meaning very quickly. Um, and what sort of discussions did each of you have with Jeff about you know, who this character was, how it fit into the bigger picture of the film, that kind of thing? I'll let you all talk. I mean, I, I encountered each of these people at different times through the process. I so. sent Jeff my CV uh, in the mail, <laughs> hoping to get a meeting with the man. No, uh, we've gone back. Uh, I picked you up uh, out of film school, right? Close, 2004. 2004, yeah. So, uh, yeah, how did you stumble onto this guy, Joel? You know, the, the better the director, the more self-assured, the more accomplished director that you can associate with it, it raises the bar of your own work. And whatever you provide in collaboration with that person becomes better. And so you want to be with people that know what they're doing. And Jeff, clearly, having made a few movies already, knew what he was doing. And, so, uh, and, and the script itself, in the true sense of the word, was a page-turner. Um. Jeff is an amazing director and, and writer, so um, there was no question about whether I wanted to do this film or um, if anybody wanted to do this film. Um, it's a very easy answer. So you hired him? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I hired him. <laughs> and I just, I've been a, such a fan of Jeff's work and I don't even need to read a script. When I saw Jeff Nichols, I was like, yes, I'm in. I'll play any part. I'll play Jaden's part. Anybody's part here. <laughs> because I'm such a fan of Jeff's work. And, and now curious to see what that film would have looked like with you and Jaden's part. Uh, yeah. I'd be on my knees. <laughs> Strapping shoes to your knees. Little goggles. Get a little wig. <laughs> I'd argue that the film, unless there's a kind of a rapport between the four of you guys, because so much of the film does take place with the four of you together, kind of on the run from people. Did it take a while to get that rapport? Was it the kind of thing that just sort of clicked instantly once you guys started reading the script to each other? I don't know. We seemed to hit it off right away. I mean, Joel makes me laugh. We, uh, despite the serious nature of the film, uh, we would always uh, crack each other up between takes. And then Kirsten, um, she, she's got a lot that of pizzazz. That was the only chick on set. She's got, yeah. So I just had I mean, to put we up with them all. competing for her affection, basically. I think, I think Jaden won. I, I, I don't know. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we are going to show you guys another clip. This is a good clip. Are you okay? We'll be there soon. Why are you wearing those goggles, huh? Stop! Stop! He's with me. He's my son. Yeah, well, you ought to watch your kid. Yeah, I got it. Thank you. You doing okay? You cannot leave the van. You hear me? I'm sorry. It's okay. I shouldn't have left you. No. Oh. Sorry. The most amazing thing about that clip is that woman's jacket. <laughs> that jacket's extraordinary. It's, it's really it's a nice jacket. Car is pretty we cool. Start. Too. I think we made that specifically for the film. How long did it take you to, to find the part? How long did it take you to find Jaden and know that he was the right actor for the role? Maybe six weeks, two months into the search. 
So I'd seen a lot of people at that point. And, you know, he held two things. One, um, this obvious intelligence, you know, and maturity. But on the other, uh, there was an honesty there. There was just this kind of really pragmatic approach to, to the things around him. It only took me about five or ten minutes to understand, like, all right, this is going to be perfect. Jane, you want to talk about your experience making this? How was it? Obviously, you can see that the, um, the environment on set was just uh, a really fun space to be in, and it was an amazing experience um, for me and to be with such amazing actors and an amazing director. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I, I, had, I was a part of it. We're glad too. Thank you, Jaden. He's very polite. He's a very polite young man. It feels like you're channeling a lot of vintage Spielberg movies. Was, was that something that you went back to when you were writing or through production? Were there films that, that you were like, this is kind of what I'm going for. These are the films that I'm looking at that I would like to do something similar to that. You, you feel something when you watch those earlier films. You feel this sense of mystery, um, this tone that leads to this sense of awe. And that's a very Spielbergian thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a valuable thing. But beyond that, uh, it really just became the same approach I've applied to all my other films in terms of ratcheting down these aesthetics into reality as much as possible, trying to make the behavior of these characters as honest as possible. Um, those things, that's just the way I approach storytelling. So beyond those initial kind of feelings, um, that's where we left off. Um, and it's obviously a different thing between, you know, aping somebody's style and trying to channel a feeling. And this definitely gets the ladder down like, Thank much you. better. Uh, we're going to show you guys another clip. Or I'll get him here. If he's not dead. I'm sorry. I won't let that happen. Yeah, I hope not. He believes in something. You don't. It doesn't matter. Good people die every day believing in things. Roy spent two years watching another man raise our son. He did what I couldn't. He'll do anything to get him here. Um, I want to talk to Kirsten and Joel just about your characters. Well, when you meet Sarah, she hasn't seen her son in two years. And she couldn't really do anything about it because of the powers that he has. So she's lived in a lot of pain for her and solitude when you meet her. And Joel? I play a character called Lucas who is not a family member of, of this group and is... Uh, you get the sense before the movie that he's been living his own normal life and hasn't seen his old school buddy for many years and his judgment around the fact that he has joined some kind of religious movement. And then one day out of the blue, he's dropped in on uh, Lucas and, and introduced him to this child and, and something has happened in that communication where M Lucas has decided to... 
up and leave his own life in order to serve and protect this family. There is a sense that there's a spiritual void happening. It feels like an underlying theme of the entire film. Sort of what, what, will you, what extreme will you go to to find a sense of faith or to find a, a confirmed sense of faith? I'm a big believer that, that people walk into movies with their own belief systems intact. And the last thing I want to do is try and correct that. Uh, I don't want to tell them you're right, you're wrong. What I want to do is offer up these possibilities that they can attach their own belief systems to and judge for themselves. And there's no answer to it, you know. But I think the search for, for trying to build your own belief system is something that we all do and can all relate to. Uh, I'm just curious, how, how do you go about deciding how much information is the right amount? How is this going to get doled out? How do I keep this so that the story is still moving forward, but people are still kind of leaning in to see what's happening? And for the actors, how does that affect your job? Well, for me, you know, it's just all about behavior. Um, dialogue is behavior. But I think a lot of times writers, uh, they think it's just a, a reason to, you know, insert plot points and explain things. And that's not, that's not the way we speak, you know. Um, and so I just made a rule for myself while I was writing this that when two characters were in a room together, um, they wouldn't talk about things that they both already know about, you know. Um, and that just seems natural. I just tried to make all of the dialogue ring as true as possible. I didn't feel like uh, there was any information missing from me, personally, to play the part. I don't think Roy really knows what's happening. Um, I think Roy has uh, a lot of confusion in his own life. Uh, so, and I, I think that's the way life works a lot of times, is you're thrown into situations that you don't quite comprehend and you have to make decisions that you're uncertain about, but you only have a hunch, you know? Uh, that's what I love about Jeff's writing and his work in general, is I think he takes very commonplace uh, situations and, and turns them into very kind of lyrical and poetical uh, stories and films. Uh, we're gonna throw this to one more clip, and then I've got one more question, then we're gonna give it to the audience. Dad? Yeah. Are you scared? Yes. You don't have to worry about me. I like worrying about you. You don't have to anymore. I'll always worry about you, Alan. That's the deal. Uh, my last question is this. For Michael and Jeff, you guys clearly work really well with each other. The sort of, I guess, the Scorsese and De Niro of moody, atmospheric character drama stuff with fantastical elements thrown in. That work? Uh, it's more like the David Lynch, Laura Dern. Yeah. Which one's Laura Dern? I'm David Lynch. Okay. Just checking. Gladly take that. Uh, how's your working relationship changed over the years, over these four films? Not a lot. Um, you know, I, I think I've gotten more confident in what I'm doing, you know, uh, which helps. But, uh, and I've lost a lot of respect <laughs> for myself. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I, um, 
again, I, I put a lot of time into these screenplays, and I feel like when you give Mike a screenplay, um, if he responds to it, it's because he's responding to the material. I'd like to think he's not just showing up because it's me. I, I think I'd like to think there's something in in the script that works for him. You know. So um, yeah, it's 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 gonna be yeah. It's never no. I never just show up and punch the clock because it's Jeff. I'm I'm always excited to see what he's gonna do next. Uh, we've got time for a couple of questions from the audience. I have a question for Kirsten. I was just wondering how you mentally prepare to do each role. I do weird things, to be honest. It kind of feels like at the end of the day, like I did a little witch's brew of myself, my life, dreams, whatever is coming to me. Books influence me, music influences me, but, but it really all comes from inside of myself. Hi, uh, I'm curious about uh, Take Shelter and how you might think that these two films sort of speak to each other just from um, what we've seen. It seems like they, I don't know, might, this might be like sort of a spiritual sequel or something. Or maybe it's just because Michael Shannon's in it too, but I don't know. Both things deal with protecting your family. Uh, both films deal with that, but I think in a totally different way because my perspective has changed. These are all kind of points of view uh, from, my, from my life when I'm making them. And uh, I think very much take shelter in this one. Um, they're just, they seem to be, like I said, two sides of the same coin. Is it hard to watch yourself on the screen? Because I noticed Michael wasn't like watching the, I mean, when, when the clips were playing, you were like, so I was like, is it hard for you to watch, like as actors, is it hard for you to watch yourselves when you, do you like overanalyze what you did and, oh, should I have done this? Or are you like satisfied once you see it? I've already seen the movie a couple times. So I just wanted to listen to it, like a radio play, you know. I love watching myself. It's one of my favorite things to do. I'm uh, constantly watching my own movies on a loop. It does make me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, I do feel, I, I don't love watching myself. There are moments when you can be really proud of being part of something. And I knew that this would be a special movie to be proud of. You guys, thank you so much for coming. Thank Take you. Take care. Thanks, guys.